Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're continuing our series on Colossians. This is Colossians. And so if we could jump in and share, allow me to share as we start off that this series as we're getting into is the goal is to not just to learn the Bible, but to apply it to our life, to actually get an understanding of what it's truly saying to us. And one of the themes we're getting out of our read through of Colossians this season is the issue of identity. And Paul, the writer of this letter to this group of people, it is so practical for us as well as you actually start looking at what it truly means and what it's saying to those back then and saying to us on understanding who we are. And what we're finding is to understand who we are, we need to understand who Jesus is. But who is Jesus really? You might be here and, and, and been coming a little bit, maybe your first time and you're like, I've been to church, I've been to church for a while, I grew up in church, but I don't really know much about Jesus. And so maybe you're here kind of just seeking and trying to understand and not really sure where you are in your faith. There is also a large majority of us who say, hey, no, I, I am a follower of Christ, been a Christian for many, many years. But you ever think about one day you kind of wake up going, Jesus, who are you really? Do I really have a grasp of who you are in my life in the season that I'm going through? And Tyler did a great job last week uh, just walking us through the scripture that talks about who Jesus is at the end of Colossians 1. But let me just give you a summary if you weren't there last week. This is what the Bible says in Colossians 1. It's just a summary. These are the descriptions of who Jesus is. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the creator of all things. All things he holds together. And all the fullness of God himself dwells in him. And all things he has the supremacy. And if you read through that, it's so rich of understanding this is Jesus. This is not a little bitty tiny Jesus. This is the big Jesus, the Jesus that is all supreme. And what's so important, and when we understand who Jesus is, then again, we can understand who we are. And that has huge implications. Because when you believe and understand who Jesus is, you can then understand who you are. And then you can understand your calling you have in him and doing what he's called you to actually do. And it's all about what it means to be in Christ. And it's interesting, throughout Colossians, you see this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And today, we're going to talk about how we're in Christ in fullness, in fullness. Now, if there's anything that we know as Americans, is we know what it's like to be full, <laughs> If you've gone to some, you know, maybe you traveled around, all the, the grad parties are taking place. I think a lot of us got our full of Costco cake, okay? We, we, we're full. Like one thing that we know in life, we experience fullness. You've gone to a, you know, it says all you can eat buffet. Some of you have taken that challenge. I've known, I've done that in times. I would have to admit it. I'm like, should I really try to eat all I can eat? Is that a good thing? No, probably not. But it's interesting is this. Well, you're a growing kid. That's good. You, you keep going at that. But I find this is at some point, enough is too much. And, you, you know, you can tell by that. But isn't it amazing? You're like, oh, I could never eat another bite. And then 
hours later, and again, probably maybe several hours later, you go, huh, I'm kind of hungry again. Isn't that kind of amazing that happens? And it's amazing the fact that because we're consumers as people, if it's not food, it's entertainment. You know, we want to get our fill of entertainment. We want to get our fill. If you go to a, a, a theme park and spend thousands of dollars, you want to make sure you go on every ride. You, you are, you, you're filled with opportunities or in your career or relationships. But the problem with getting full is getting full is temporary because then we need a filling again. And typically what we want, whatever is the next filling, we want it to be better or at least more than we got before. Now you're kind of going, what the heck does that have to do with identity in Colossians? Everything. Because you've heard the phrase before, you are what you eat. You, you, you are the sum of all that you consume. And it relates with us in our faith is because we can kind of get in this, this consumer mindset that we're trying to get our fill, whether it's our fill during the week, or we can come on a Sunday and get our fill. And there's nothing wrong with getting your fill on Sunday. We hope that you get a full stomach on Sunday, or full soul on Sundays. It's not a bad thing. But the problem is, is our motive. If it's all about getting a fill, we're going to find ourselves empty at the end of just getting what we want out of whatever we want. And Paul seems to be combating this through some false teaching. And what was happening is there are people that are selling a bill of goods to these people here, and they're wanting to encourage them to believe certain things and act certain things. Because what they're saying is this, is that, that yes, Jesus is a good start, way to go, but you need more than Jesus. You need more than Jesus. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. Hold, sold that role. No, no, no. You don't need more than Jesus. Jesus is all you need. And in that warning, because of it, we go into chapter two. Because of that, he says this. He says, okay, this is who Jesus is. This is then I got to warn you. And he says this in verse eight, chapter two. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. I just want to focus on the scripture for a couple minutes. And this last week when I was thinking about it, the word hollow kind of stood out for me. And the picture I got of hollowness is... And I don't know why this is, and maybe this will be helpful. I hope it will be helpful to you. But this is what I pictured of hollowness, hollow and deceptive teaching. Yesterday, just cruising around, and decided to stop by the sea shop. I don't know if you've ever been down there. And I got this. Now, I would say this is not as impressive as it was yesterday when they made it and everything. It kind of shrunk down a little bit. But... There I am, right? Or there I was with this huge amount of cotton candy. And, and the interesting thing about cotton candy is it's it's wonderful. I don't know anybody that doesn't like cotton candy. Okay, you should leave now if you don't like cotton candy. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful, you know. But it's it's sugar in air. And I, I used to think it was hair, but I think it's just air and sugar. And I don't know, and you think about cotton candy, this is not a good advertisement, but you know that cotton candy advertises itself. You go to a parade, you go down to a carnival, and you know, sometimes you might hear cotton candy, cotton candy. You don't really need to yell cotton candy because they've got 
the cotton candy thing, and then they got the whole thing, and I don't know how he does it, but this massive big cotton candy ball of cloud or something, cotton candy, the guy goes down with cotton candy. Like, it, it, you don't need to advertise it, it's there. But if you've ever eaten cotton candy, and you, you know, it's nice, it's wonderful, but it's not very nutritious. There's no fiber in cotton candy. There's not any nutritional, it's sugar, it's gonna decay, it's gonna rot your teeth. And especially when you eat it though, it just dissolves in your mouth. And I was thinking about that, how much in our life that our lives can be filled with a lot of cotton candy, a lot of fluff in our life. There's a lot of things that seem really, taste really good, and really at the time, but are actually pretty hollow. And what happens a lot of times is we exchange, uh, ex- exchange style over substance. And we're all suckers of, inter- of, inter- of advertisements. We're all suckers of people that tell us that if you get this product or service, that you're going to be smarter, you're going to be faster, you're going to be cooler, you're going to be sexier, and your life is going to be easier because of it. And we're like, okay, we'll try it. And as we eat it, we go, huh, that's not much of what I was hoping for. At least it was advertising. It's because we got caught by the packaging. We got caught by the marketing of that. And what we've experienced in life is we, we felt burned. Some of us know what it's like. Older you get, at some point you're going to learn, you're going you're to learn your lesson that that product of that service was not what we were hoping for. And we thought it was a free weekend away. We thought it was if I go to this wonderful place and I have to sit through a three-hour presentation that I could, I could get something out of it. Well, what you end up getting is you end up, some people end up saying, oh, you can own this condo while everybody else owns it. And you've got condos all over the world that you can own. So, and you get to share it together. Okay. So that might be one of them. I'm not picking on that. But there's some that are like, oh, okay, don't go there. Some of you would experience other ways that you have that that was so funny the last service people laughed some of you are like that's not funny that's not good at all um, i'm giving examples we all been burned at some point we all been we're taken for and we're going oh i'm not ever going to do that again and what happens we do now it's interesting there's there's Back in the day, there was not TV and web banners and everything, but people are people. And what was happening is some persuasive false teachers were selling stuff that was, was not good. And Paul says, see to it to hollow and deceptive teaching. Now, what kind of teaching was it? What we find is two areas of false teaching, this hollow, deceptive teaching. One was based on human traditions. In And as we look through the people of Colossians, it seems like some false teachers were trying to communicate old ways, old customs to these brand new Christians that didn't have any religious background. And they're putting all these religious rules on them, certain dietary laws, certain, certain ritual practices, circumcision, even sacrifices. And people were telling to take it to extremes. They were like to starve themselves or they're even practice abstinence even in marriage. I mean, this was going on extreme levels, and it was so contradictory to what Jesus had said and what he did to do. He didn't come to abolish the law, but no, he came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law through his blood on the sacrifice on the cross for us. That was the work. And so, you know, the thought of going back to like animal sacrifice and do all these rituals, which I hope that's not your desire to do that, nor hopefully it's not my desire to do that. I don't want to go back that way. And yet though, as much as that might seem extreme, we can find ourselves, the longer we become, as we're, we're Christians, we can find ourselves going back to our old ways once, when we once found Christ. 
Some of us, if we hear a certain worship song or we, we go, and, and this is kind of crazy, I don't know if you've done this, but reached into your drawer and pulled out a CD. I don't know if the, you guys have those anymore, but I've done that before and listened to some old music. And it reminds me of my summer camp experiences or mission trips that I've gone on. I remember the moments where I was, and those were wonderful moments, but those are in the past. And we have to be careful not to get so nostalgic on the past to bring those experiences. This is how it should be today. We can make our experiences the the importance rather than what God is doing in the now. We need to exchange style over substance. Paul warns then, hey, don't go backwards in the old ways. But he says, be careful of these new ways. These new things, these elemental spiritual forces that are outside Christ and who he is. What was happening is some of the people there were apparently worshiping angels. And that would be the, in our modern times of new age or horoscopes or, you know, seances, astrology, you know, where, you know, they're conjuring up dead. I mean, this was going on even back then in the occult. Now, some of you are going, hey, I don't, I'm not into that. You know, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to, you know, conjure up great Adnedna so I can get her snickerdoodle recipe or anything like that, okay? I'm not into that kind of thing. But what I would say is the warning is if, if you're listening to something or pulled into something that's outside the centrality of Christ and the gospel, then you're going to be off and you're going to be deceived. And this is very, very important to hear this is just because someone says it really well, it doesn't mean it's true right? Just because someone says of this is so wonderful and so awesome and you're emotionally stirred by that. And you're like, man, when I hear that person, I cry, man, it gets me there. It gets me right here. But is it true? Is what they're saying central to the gospel? And so Paul says, be careful of that. Now, on the other hand, we can be around, you know, really smart, dull people. Have you been around people that like have a lot of education and then they like are really boring to listen to. Well, if you haven't, welcome to college, okay? That's, that's usually happens. Some of you have professors that were so dry and boring. They wrote the textbook because they're experts in their field. They're like, oh my gosh, I, I, I am going to die here. I can't handle this, right? And, and so it's okay to communicate with passion. It's okay to bring some emphasis. You know, here in our church, we make sure, you know, we have lights on and we have we have, we have uh, music. I love our music. What's happening? I love, you know, hopefully the teaching is pretty good. And we've got coffee, okay? Help you out. And we've got padded chairs, not pews, okay? There's nothing wrong with aesthetics, but we've got to be careful that we don't make the aesthetics. Don't make it about the how rather than the substance of it. Because if we don't focus on Jesus and who Jesus is, it is fluff. It is fluff. And Paul makes this statement another place. He says, knowledge puffs up with pride, but love builds up. Our faith is just a bunch of cotton candy if we're not careful with it. Now, there's nothing wrong with growing in intellectualism. Nothing wrong with experiencing the presence of God. But I tell you, sometimes that spiritual high, well, it does, it fades. And what is left in our faith? Is it what we have is Jesus and only Jesus? So that's why Paul says, see to it. See to it. Don't take two extremes of knowing what to believe as replaced knowing whom to believe. Don't make your experiences to overshadow a person of who Jesus is. Be careful of this. 
Because if we don't, what happens is we'll never be satisfied. What leads to this is that we'll, we'll find frustration or pride or fear or worry or jealousy or inner angst or even bitterness that can, can form in us because we made it about it rather than him. We made it about a feeling. We made it about a knowledge. We made it about something else than who Jesus truly is. So this is my thought for us today. Don't be full of it, but be full of him. Don't be full of it, be full of him. If you've ever been accused of being full of it, it's probably true, okay? You probably were. (laughs) But we're about Jesus and being filled with him. Jesus and only Jesus. That's what Paul gives us very direct direction for us in, in Colossians 2 verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That speaks of Christ's supremacy. We talked about that. Tyler hit on that last week. That's his identity. But look at the next part. It says this, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. And that's Christ's sufficiency. That's our identity. How? We are what we eat. We are the sum of what we consume. Is Christ consuming you? Or are you about just consuming it? Consuming something else that's beyond who Jesus is. And and that's why in Christ, we can be brought to fullness. That word fullness is a very, very rich word. It means this. It means to be made perfect, being complete, to be accomplished, not lacking anything, a finished work. What does that describe? It describes Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. When he was on the cross before he died, he said these words, it is Finish. And what was finished on the cross was the, for, the, the cancellation of our sin. He paid the price for us. He did the finish and complete work for us so that we now can live in this fullness that he has for us. And so if you're going around in your life and you're looking to, for something to satisfy you, what you're really trying to satisfy is, is really you're trying to satisfy your stomach. You're trying to satisfy your selfishness. Really what you're missing is we need to be satisfied with our soul. And that soul satisfaction comes through Christ and what he provides. Everything else, everything, this is getting really bad now. Everything else is, is fluff, okay? So uh, I'll share with that afterwards if you like some. Um, I, it's not good. I, I, I want to tell you this is that, that Colossians 2 Paul really lays out how. At the, the, as we go through this, because what I've found for myself is this. This is the tension. Is that we believe all this and experience all this and have not knowing saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. How come at times I feel empty? How come at times I feel like I'm, I, there's something missing? Paul helps us here. Helps us to remind us of the fullness that we have in him. And so the first reminder is this. In his fullness, we have been set apart. In his fullness, we've been set apart. Verse 10, he talks about who Jesus is again. He brings it back. He is the head over every power and authority. And then he goes on. He says this. In him, because of who he is, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. You, your, your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, circumcision was a sign of covenant with the Jewish people. It was saying this, you are unique and you are separated and you are chosen what I want to do. And I want you to, God says to you, I I want these people to be the people set apart for my purposes. 
And it's the same for us spiritually as Christ followers. When we invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, there is a circumcision of the hearts. Paul talks about a circumcision of the hearts that Christ does. And what that means simply is this. It's a marker for us that we belong to him. That we're branded. This is who we are in him. That we belong. I don't know about you. There's no better feeling to know that we belong. Isn't it? To know maybe you're part of a, a, a group or your family or whatever it might be. I know even for Christy and I, our, our small group, we love our small group. And every time we're with our group, even this last, last week, we're like, man, just feel fulfilled. It's so satisfying, this group of people that we're with, that we have this sense of, of belonging. And we're excited about the opportunity to serve this summer, hopefully at the sand sculpture. And, 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 but I've found with this is that that group of people that I'm with to, to, to not only be with, we have a, a cause, we have a passion together. That's why Tyler and Bonnie are launching out in CTK Blaine. They, they're gathering a team together and they're, yeah, they're getting excited about what God can do in Blaine. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a sense of belonging about that cause. And I would tell you this, if you don't have that sense of belonging, or I'm sorry, if you don't have that sense of purpose, or maybe that your life is a bit boring in your faith, can I, can I just be direct with you? It's, it's your fault. You're like, well, that's not nice. That's not, I don't find a belonging. It takes work to belong. Some groups aren't your fit and you're not fit for them. It's not that you're bad or they're bad. It's just not a fit. It takes a lot of work in relationships to find that sense of belonging. But what's so powerful, when we know that we belong to Christ and that we're part of his body, there's there's a fittingness that we'll find. We'll find our way as we seek after in relationship. But what I've found is that when, when, when I'm feeling a little bored with my faith, I realize I'm not in God's will. I find that there's times that I'm just kind of going through the motions. It becomes a little dull and, 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 and kind of boring. I'm not really pressing in to what God has for me. I'm not pressing into the relationships that he want me, wants me to have. I'm not pressing into the places where he really wants me to put some effort and serve. Because one thing I've found is this, when I'm in God's will, it's adventurous, it's difficult, it's hard but it's not boring. It's not boring. So if you're here today and going, well, I just want to really be used by God, pray this dangerous prayer. Lord, I am yours. Use me. And guess what? He will use you this week. If you look for the opportunities and we can come back together and go, wow, my life wasn't boring this week. God did this. God did this. And I opened myself up and I'm like, oh my goodness, it was crazy what the Lord did in my life and through my life. It was hard. It wasn't fun at times, but it was not boring because we're a part of something. We're set apart for this purpose that he has. When we, when we talk about set apart, it doesn't mean put on a shelf and look nice. Being set apart is for purpose to be vessels that he wants to use. And that's where we find fullness. And then in his fullness, know this, we were dead and then made alive. Paul goes a little bit even further to step back a little bit and to do a little bit of evaluation and reflection. He says this, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So as circumcision was a unique sign of covenant with the Jewish people, you got to understand that baptism is this unique sign and symbol of us as Christ followers. That before Christ, and this is all symbolic, baptism is literally getting baptized does not save you. It's symbolic. It's a sign. It's a, it's a practice that we do. But think about this. Baptism represents this. Before we, we are dunked into the water, our lives, that's our old life. It represents our old self our sinful, 
old and the Bible says dead to our sin self. And then when we go into the water, we're baptized means our sins are drowned. They're, they're put to death. Just as like Christ died, then we're raised to life as Romans 6 tells us to this new life we have as Christ was raised, we are raised to this new life. And the Bible says we're made alive in Christ. What I love about the words made alive, it's an active word, meaning active verb means we're, that we're continually being made alive. Just as the resurrection of Christ brings life to us, the very spirit of God's in us, this is a resurrected life we live. It's an it's a, it's a active thing that we're made alive, continually renewed on a daily basis. And when you're continually renewed in Christ, and that's fullness. That's the fullness as we seek him, not seek an it. And we need to be reminded of this, that back before, you call it the BC days. Some of you have a BC days before you were Christian, before Christ was in your life, you lived it up. You experienced life in a way that was sinful, but it was fun. Because sin is always fun for a season. And Paul wants to remind us, you once lived that way. Don't live that way any longer. Next week, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But you once were that way. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what Christ has done. That was your old life that's buried. Because what happens is we go back and go, yeah, the good old days were, well, they weren't that Good, really. If you look about those moments, it was fun. It was pleasurable. But don't forget the results of that. There was pain. There was addiction. There was shame. There was regret. There was hurt of others that we loved. There was loneliness. There was, there was uh, deadness of relationships. There was all this that happened to us because of that, that God saved us from that, redeemed us from that. And Paul makes that, that, that important understanding that we don't go back in our old life. I know this is gruesome, but we're not to go dig up old dead bodies. Okay. That's not, that's illegal. That's wrong. Don't do that. Okay. But be, I don't be gross about this, but in my, but, but think about that visual to go back and try to be ridiculous to dig up your old life again, go back and unbury the bones of your own life. It's not you anymore. It's dead. It's gone. It's we're now made alive in Christ. He lives in you. He is not an it, something that we receive and consume. He is in you. Don't go back to the old you. And then in the fullness, know this, so wonderful. In his fullness, our debts have been canceled. Paul reminds us in verse 13, he says, he, he forgave us of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He had taken away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. Now, go with me on this. Picture, you, you wanted to just live it up. You're like, man, I don't care. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to check into a fancy hotel. And I'm just going to go for it. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to get the presidential suite overlooking some view and the sky rise. And it's going to be so amazing. And I'm going to, you know, put on the, the monogram hotel robe. And I'm just bring the, bring the, bring the, the, the room service, okay? You're ordering everything off the menu. The $55 hamburger and the $195 lobster and the 20% gratuity. Who cares on that? You're cracking over the, open the $20 uh, bag of almonds on the, in the, in, you know, in the little mini fridge and all the mini bar. You're drinking them all, doing all that. You're watching every pay-per-view there is and all of them, I'm saying all of them, you know, the ones, you know, those two, you're just doing it all. You're experiencing all. And then you wake up in the morning, just a little bit hungover, a little bit overdone. And then all of a sudden you see this little slip under the door. It's the bill. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. 
It's a lot. And you're going, there's no way I can pay that. Paul's making a point here is times that of what we owe God by a million or a zillion or whatever. There's nothing that we can pay God back. We are in debt and there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can earn. There's no way to do that. I'll tell you this, you have spent your life that you, you know, your debt that your life cannot pay back. There's nothing to pay back. And so what happens is he says, what Jesus did on the cross is this. He took all our debt, all our sin, and he was nailed to the cross. And the Bible says it was a public spectacle. And the reason that was so important is they, when they crucified people, they made it an example to everybody. Hey, don't mess with us. If you're going to do bad, you, this is what's going to happen to you. And they lined up people crucified along the road that, that people could see. And then on, on top of the cross, there's a little sign. Every person that was a condemned criminal, it says who they are and what the crime they did. What did Jesus say? His sign, it said, Jesus Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus died for who he was. He is King. He is Lord. He is God. And only God could pay the sins that we needed. And so that little bill under your, slipped under the door of your life, it says paid in full. And here's a question. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? I'll tell you what I feel. I feel grateful. I feel undeserving. I feel humbled. I feel appreciative. There's so much that we can experience what Jesus did to cancel our debt. Last week, my old church, they burned the mortgage of their church. All the debt has been paid and there's a celebration. I tell you, Jesus did it all for us. He, he burned the mortgage. He paid it all. And that we can have not only this forgiveness, but it leads us to incredible freedom. See, the final reminder of this, what Paul gives us living is this, in, in living it in fullness, is that we are set free from human rules. Set free from human rules. When I was in college and the church I was a part of, I invited a friend. And he was coming through the doors and it was, it was busy and I didn't quite see him. I saw him from a distance. But the, the pastor's wife interjected this guy when he came in the door. And her first words to him was, young man, this is the house of God. You need to take your baseball hat off. That was his first experience coming through the church. He'd never been to church before. And I didn't know that. I noticed he had his hat off and kind of sheepishly, you know, kept it with him the whole time. And he goes, he came to me after, so he goes, hey, so what's the deal with hats? Are they sinful? Are they bad? I'm like, what are you talking about? This lady told me I'd take my hat off. And I thought, one day I'm going to pastor a church that a person could wear a hat in here. If you want to wear a baseball hat, you can wear a baseball hat. If you would, as long as you have clothes on, okay? That's what matters. And they get, oh, this guy, the message was that it was about a hat. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're missing it. And that's why Paul says this. He goes, to be freed from these human rules. He says, these persuasive people are trying to make you believe, you know, follow all these rules. He says this, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or what regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration or Sabbath day. They, I love this. They are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. All that, all those rules are leading up to who Jesus is and that we can live and walk in that freedom. Should we not have boundaries and guidelines? Absolutely. They're help us, but they're help us to grow in Christ's likeness. It's a desire that we have to please him. Let's not make it about the rules. And, and so Paul's saying Christ came to fulfill 
the law for us. And I, want to, I won't jump down to all the things he goes in listings of these things. He says, be careful of the fluff. Be careful of people that appear in wisdom. People that impose certain worship things you got to do. This, this false humility and acting a certain way. He goes, they are just fluff. Don't believe the fluff. Trust in Jesus. And Jesus is the one. He is the one that brings fulfillment to our lives. His very spirit is to live in us. The spirit is not an it. It's not a force. It's Jesus himself incarnate in us. Christ in us, the Bible says, the hope of glory. That's what it means to be full, is full of him. I invite our team to come as we close. And I have this question, are you, are you seeking it or him this morning? I, I, I would admit as, I, as these guys come, I... I, there has been times where I've sought it, that I wanted a feeling that I wanted an experience. It was probably, uh, it was actually, Christy and I have been married 24 years, four years tomorrow. Um, and it was our fifth anniversary. I remember that. And, uh, oh, thanks. That's great. 24 years, 24 glorious years it's been it's been awesome but it was our five year I remember this during five year anniversary and she was great with child Grant was I don't know he hadn't come out yet about seven months eight months old uh or or, pregnant seven eight months and so it was I remember flowers given to her and all that but it was it was a tough kind of conference it was warm it was hot I remember this and we had to let we had to be outside for like two hours to get into this church and what was going on in this church, it was called the Brownsville Revival. And what had happened to be going on for several years, it was an incredible thing. People were coming in the Lord, like a quarter of a million people were coming through the doors of this church. And so people are literally lined outside two hours early to get into the service. Can you imagine what that would be like? How amazing that would be? And it was amazing things that God was doing in there, but I was a little skeptical. I was like, oh, what, what are we getting into? And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go, but then somebody in our church decided to pay our way to go. I'm like, Florida? Okay, I'll go. And we got down there and we were lined up. And then the, 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 the first day they said, we need some pastors to come and pray with people. And so we ended up in the front row of this thing. It was just hopping and happening. And at, at, over the last couple, first couple nights, I'm like, okay, the God, you're doing something here. Lord, I'm open to what you want to do. And I remember standing right in the, the front of the church and this whole thing that was going on. I had my hands lifted and I said, God, uh, give me whatever you got. Lord, I, I, I see what you're doing. I want whatever it is, Lord. I was like, I'm, I comply. Like I, I finally give in. Lord, what do you want to do? And so this, this guy comes along and he starts praying for people. And he comes and he, he lays his hand on my chest and he goes, fire. I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm like, uh, nothing's happening here. And then he goes, fire again. He does it a third time fire. And I'm like, ha. And like, and I'm not feeling anything. I'm like, God, whatever you want. I sit back in my chair and I go, what the heck, God, how come nothing happened? And this is what Lord, I felt, you know, felt my spirit say to me. He goes, Oh, Dan, you want me to work when you want me to work in your life. I don't do it that way. I work in your life when I want to work in your life. You can't dictate that. I'm like, okay. I had to go all the way to the epicenter of a revival 
for the Lord to reveal to me of his sovereignty, of his grace, that he is Lord, that I'm not seeking an it, I'm not seeking an experience, I'm not seeing the effects of, of who Jesus is, I am to experience Jesus himself. And I had more of a spiritual time in my hotel room that, that week than I had at this conference. It was a reminder to me, we don't demand from God. God is sovereign. Jesus and only Jesus that we seek. The Bible says this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything we added to you. Well, we seek him first and whatever happens, whatever he has to do, that is the blessing we receive, but he's the one that gives it. It is about him and only him. And I want to take some moments here today to, to encourage us to seek him one last time uh, before we, we uh, close here today. But will you pray with me before we do this? Jesus, we're so glad it, it's, it is about you. And we're so glad, Lord, that you are supreme, that you are Lord and you are indeed God. And that you came as God in the flesh, incarnate in this world. And you showed us the way, that you are the way, the truth, and the life that led to the cross and led to the salvation that we have. And that our sins have been canceled, that we're free and we're forgiven in you. And you challenge us because of that. See to it, not to let anybody deceive us of of selling us anything more than who you truly are. And Lord, you still want us to seek you. You still want us to seek after you. But Lord God, may we just confess that we are trying to seek an experience. We're trying to seek things and stuff from you without just seeking you. We chosen to seek the gift rather than the giver. And God, we, we come before you and we say, Lord, we just once again want to seek you, Holy Spirit. And so Lord, we invite your spirit to come and live in us, the very person of Jesus, to come and be a part of our lives. Not only as we sing here this morning and invite you as we've done all morning, Lord, but we invite you in our life the entire week, Lord, to seek after you. And we leave the results, we leave the feelings, we leave everything, God, that you want to give us in your hands of what you want to do and when you want to do it. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand as we sing this morning.